before Big Ben's throw, before Santonio Holmes' catch, before Pittsburgh became Sixburg. There were doubts. There was a daunting schedule. There was a dominant defense. This is the season. 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers. Welcome Steelers Nation. I am Bryant McFadden, your host and cornerback on the 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers. On this podcast, I'll revisit our Super Bowl run from a decade ago with former teammates and coaches, delivering you behind-the-scenes insights and memories on the biggest plays, personalities from that memorable season. Let's get to this week's game and guess. We're nearly finished on our journey to hoisting the sticky Lombardi, but still the two biggest games left to recap. On this episode, we take a look back at our 2008 conference championship matchup versus the hated Ravens. And to do that, I had to bring in a key player from that ball game, a vital player all season. Steeler Nation, welcome Ryan Clark, 13-year NFL vet, eight outstanding years with the Pittsburgh Steelers, undrafted out of LSU in 2002. Repeat undrafted out of LSU 2002. Of course, listeners, young football players listening to us right now, you can make it. You do not have to be a draft pick to have an outstanding professional career. Oh, by the way, he's also a Super Bowl champion, pro bowler in 2011. 2008 stats, 14 games started, one interception, six uh, PBUs, 87 tackles. His career stats, 177 games played, 177 games played, 16 interceptions, eight fumbles recovered, almost a thousand tackles, 928 tackles to be exact. And one stat that many people don't monitor, but a stat that I think has to go with Ryan Clark's name, knockouts. Knockouts. So me personally, I played with him for quite some time. I probably saw at least six to seven knockouts where he basically <laughs> delivered a blow and knocked the opposing <laughs> offensive player out. And we will talk about that later in this podcast. But Steeler Nation, like I said, welcome my friend, my brother from another mother, Mr. Ryan Clark. Thank you for joining us here on the season recapping 08 conference championship ball game against the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> What's up, brother? Hey, man. You know when you when obviously you never look at your stats that way or read it out, but 177 games. I didn't know I played that long um, or played that many games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of, it's it's kind of cool when you think of it. And over that amount of time, the team I associate with obviously is the Pittsburgh Steelers, but the people I associate most closely with is y'all. And I think that that goes to how special the chemistry was with that team. And it wasn't – obviously, this is the year we won the Super Bowl that I was a part of. You know, you guys obviously won your rookie year, the year before I got there, and y'all didn't want to let me be a part of the team when I came in, but we'll talk about that <laughs> later. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I'm excited to be a part of this. I was excited when you started promoting it and, you know, letting people know that it was coming. And so this this will be fun. Uh, no question. I think, uh, you know, for the listeners that 
you know, will be tuning in, you know, listening to every episode. One thing you will hear from every player that's involved outside of myself is talking about how together we were as a group. And Ryan just emphasized that. And I tell people all the time that played a big part in our success and how consistent we were and how consistent we were as far as winning ball games and being competitive we actually had a close-knit group something you really don't see in professional sports um listeners it's time to set the scene set the scene uh, of course the conference championship game sunday january 18th 2009 a 643 kickoff of course we know that's a prime time matchup it's a five-star matchup like we said it's a five-star matchup because we're in it. It's not about who we're playing. It's about because the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're involved. 26 degrees at kickoff. Uh, we entered the ball game for gamblers at that time, a six-point favorite. Ryan, <laughs> yeah, and you know, you got to emphasize the gambling aspect, especially with football. And even for right. these, you know, these, these big-time gamblers that put a lot of money on this ball game. Win or lose, they they remember what that point spread was, and we were six points, uh, six point favorites at that time. RC, let's talk about the dynamics of facing a team for the third time. Uh, that was our third opportunity to play against the Baltimore Ravens. We beat them twice, but talk about that dy- dynamic. Yeah, I mean, it, it was crazy because you know just the odds of beating a team three times is, is very difficult, right? And, and that's something that's hard to do. But for us, it was like, well, shoot, we beat them twice already, you know, and, and we thought we were the better team. Obviously, to be honest, Matt, we thought we were the best team in the league all along. Mm-hmm. You know, winning the Super Bowl was was just a formality for everybody else. But I remember going in the games, man, and, and us being like, this team should score, right? <laughs> being like they, like, like, they can't beat us because they can't score. It doesn't matter what Ben does. It doesn't matter if we – running the ball with free agent running backs. If we got free agent, offensive linemen starting undrafted free agent, we didn't care because we were like, it doesn't matter because if we score a touchdown or we score a field goal, and if we don't win, that's on us. Yep. And that's the way we felt. That's the way we felt about the Baltimore Ravens. It's like, yeah, y'all got here, but y'all weren't supposed to. You know, we expected to be on the road playing Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. Because Tennessee know, we, had we, we, uh, uh, they had the first seed, right? They were the fir- the the first right, overall they beat seed. Us. We had seed. Yep. Yeah, they had the first overall seed because they beat us in the game that was going to decide who had home field advantage. Yeah, you're and right. And so we were expecting to play the divisional round and then have to move on and go to Tennessee. And so when Baltimore won, I was like, "This is perfect." <laughs> we was like, "I was like them. I was like they not going to come in here and beat us." And so for for me, it, it was more so exciting, and it added that extra kick of, all right, one, we get to beat them again. I never missed an opportunity to beat the Baltimore Ravens. And it was two, they knew they couldn't beat us. Mm -hmm. I think people people were confused at that time about that rivalry. It really wasn't a rivalry. We just hit each other hard. But we we used to beat them dudes all the time. And so for me, I was excited that it was that team on that field, in that game, and I figured – that if we did what we had to do, we were going to be victorious. Yeah, yeah. And talking about the rivals, uh, that rivalry, and how it was pretty much one-sided, especially mm-hmm. in 2008. 
And we used to hear this all the time about the similarities between both teams, especially their defense, trying to compare their defense to our defense and based on the physical Mm -hmm. nature in which we played and how they played. How similar was the makeup of the Steelers and the Ravens Ravens at that time? Very similar, man. It it was was very similar. It, It was built strong down the middle. Both teams had corners who didn't allow catches, who made getting yards very hard, anchored by veteran middle linebackers, James Ferrier, uh, Ray Lewis, obviously a Hall of Famer. Uh, they were strong up front. We were strong up front. I mean, they had they had Ed. We had Troy. You know what I mean? It was like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, you, it's like you roll a guy out, I'll roll a guy out that's just as good. You know, and, and that's what those defenses were like. And you can tell me if you thought about it different, Mac, the way I saw those games was we had to outplay their defense. Yep. Right? So, to me, Troy had to be a bigger star than Ed. Potsy had to be more physical than Ray. Mm-hmm. Right? Our front line had to invert the line more than theirs. And it wasn't about whether Ben scored or whether Willis McGahee scored, Derek Mason. Like, I didn't care about those guys. I cared about what the defenses did. You know, because it was possible – that and we we saw a lot of times it was possible that Ed was gonna get a pick, yeah, and then we were gonna have to worry about if they tackled him or not because if he scored now we had to score a touchdown exactly and that was how and that was how those games went that's why it was a rivalry and you know I listened to a little bit of of, of Ike and Ike saying you know he just hated him and he still hates him for me I didn't hate him I respected them. You know, and I think I think people miss that part of it. I respected the Raiders because the Raiders went out. I mean, the Ravens, I'm sorry, but the Ravens went out and played football like we did. Yeah. And it wasn't a lot of teams that did that. You know, I, I when, when when you watch them on film against teams we were playing, say we were going to play Cincinnati that week or we were going to play Cleveland that week, they went out and imposed their will on those teams defensively the same way we did. You know, so I respected that. The reason I didn't have to hate them is because nobody on their offense scared me. I was like, I'm not scared of them. I don't hate them. Like, <laughs> try them out here. You know what I'm saying? I was like, please, bring them here. But as far as their defense, I just respected the way they went about playing football. Yeah, yeah. And talking about the physical nature their defense played, the physical style in which we played, the opening kickoff – the opening kickoff, if you're a Ravens fan or if you're a Steelers fan, you will remember the opening kickoff. For us, Kerry Davis lays a monster hit on Jaron Stone. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think he knocked Stone out the opening kickoff. Was that a tone setter from the get-go in terms of how vicious and physical the game would be? I think we, we knew that going in, but seeing a play like that just confirms it for you. Right, and it also it also sets the tone in a way where one team is feeling a little bit better about themselves than the other, you know. And we had had kickoffs and plays like that against this team, and there's all this build up to the game, and then your guy goes down and wins, because that's what it's about. It's about winning every play in a game like that against a team like that with that much on the line. Who is going to be more physical? That's mm-hmm. all we talk about all week. Nobody, like, how much do we talk about executing when we play them? I can't even, 
Mac, I don't even remember talking about executing. I don't even remember really talking about strategy and scheme. And I was now, scheming them. It was always let's go be more physical. Yeah, so because play like that. We knew each other so well. We knew what they were going to give us, and vice versa versus their offense against our defense. The same can be said. So that's a a huge point. Yeah, it wasn't about being a, a better uh, a scheme team or, or 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 having a different strategy. It was about like you just said, throw the hardest uppercut, and hopefully you knock them out. <laughs> that's it. That's it, man. It was like look. None of us, it was like, hey, none of us trying to block no punches. You know what I mean? Hey, none of us out here trying to run around. Ain't no rope of dopes being done. We're going to stand in the middle of this ring, and let's see who go to sleep first. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and granted, the game is totally different now than when, it, than when it was at that time. But that's 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 what it was, especially between this matchup between the Steelers and the Ravens. And the unique thing about that uh, hit by Kerry Davis, we were receiving the kickoff. Usually you don't see the guys blocking for the returner, knocking a defender out, but he definitely set the tone for the offense. The offense trots out on the football field. Uh, third down opportunity, Heinz Ward, 45-yard reception on third and 12. Uh, that eventually sets up a Jeff Reed 43-yard field goal. The Steelers go up 3-0. Uh, talk about starting off with points against that defense and how important that was. I mean, it, it's important because of, you know, what I just said earlier. You have to score to win the games, obviously, but it's about not allowing them to feel good about themselves, not not allowing that defense to get rolling. Because the Ravens' defense at that time was a defense that could take over games. You know, that year it was the Pittsburgh Steelers, it was the Tennessee Titans, it was the Baltimore Ravens. You know, those defenses won football games. Those defenses took over games in a way where they not only kept you from scoring points, they created touchdowns. They scored touchdowns. And that was always my fear when we played the Baltimore Ravens was that they would take the game over. And so to go out, have the game start the way it did with the physicality by Kerry, and then have our offense, you know, it's funny to talk about execution now, but actually have our offense execute, have our offense be more physical and put points on the board, even if it's just three. Yep. Right. It sets your it sets your mind that, like I said earlier, I was like, oh, we got three points, we won the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I was like, they're not going to score. If we get three points, we can win the game. And so having that confidence, marching out on the field with the lead, because there were so many times that year we came from behind or we had to fight and grind it out. I was excited about the way the game started. Yeah, and I used to tell people, and I still tell people all the time when I'm looking at a physical nature as far as defenses field goals are like touchdowns and definitely in this game this afc championship game field goals were like touchdowns and it was extremely difficult for our defense to allow baltimore to get in field goal range because we knew how difficult it would be to score touchdowns it's the uefa champions league on paramount plus europe's top club soccer tournament champions versus champions the best teams facing off in the knockout rounds and it all takes place while you're filling out financial reports at work in the middle of your day in the middle of your week so use that second screen call in sick do it Whatever you got to do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, our defense trots on the football field. Deshae Townsend 
intercepts Joe Flacco. Offensively, we start, they will start at the Ravens 29 yard, yard line. Talking about our secondary, if I'm not mistaken, Ryan, I think we had the number one ranked secondary in the league and the ability to force turnovers all season. I think that was, you know, I, I can't really say I played a large role in that because I only had one pick. <laughs> um, but you look at throughout that season. Wait, wait, hold on. RC, when I, wait a minute. When I read your stats off, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you had passes def- defended, of course. That's that's basically like a turnover. And like I said, we're not going to talk about the, the the knockouts. But go ahead. I like I like how humble you are. So continue. And so I think back to I can't remember what week it was, but the Cowboys were pretty good that year. Yep. Um, they they, they moved the game to to late in the day. Um, they're they're up. We have a, a Ralph Larry call, right? Mm-hmm. That's where Troy is going to come down, play the buzz safety, be in the hook area. The Shea is going to drop out to the flat. And those dudes, just because we were so tight, man, there was so much chemistry, they switched positions, yep. right? They, Troy's, Troy, Troy does what the Shea normally does. The mm-hmm. Shea drops in the middle and does what Troy normally does, gets the pick, runs it back for a touchdown. It was those very simple things to us that are complex to other teams that having the chemistry of four guys, five guys, six guys in the secondary who played together for years, having the chemistry of four guys, five guys, six guys who were actually friends. Those were the type of plays that we made all season that changed games that to us was so simple that I hear now when Cam Cameron was at LSU when he was the offense coordinator talking about how hard it was to figure out what we were doing for other coaches, other quarterbacks to come through ESPN and be like, man, we just never knew where y'all were going to be to, to hear those things. And then for me to think to myself, shoot, we always knew where we were going. You know, like I always knew where Troy was. I always knew what BMAC was going to do. I always knew what Ike was going to do. I always knew what DeShay was going to do. Like we all always knew. And it was just organized chaos to us. And so the fact that Deshae, who I think is one of the more underrated Pittsburgh Steelers of all time for his accomplishments on the field, what he meant to the team, the way he impacted team chemistry, for Deshae to make that play, it's just fitting, right? It's fitting that the game starts this way with a huge special teams hit and then a big play by Deshae Townsend, not just the defense, Deshae Townsend, defensively because he did it his whole career for the Pittsburgh Steelers was never really acknowledged on all of these great number one secondaries, number one defenses, but seemed to always be there and accepted the role he had to play when we got Ike Taylor's and when we got Brian McFadden's and when we got these people who were younger and a little bit more athletic at the time, accepted the role of nickel, the roles of dime and made us a better team because of his acceptance and the way he played them. So for Deshae to make that play, that that's expected. Ah, no question. I tell people all the time also that he's one of the more instinctive DBs at the cornerback position that I've ever been around and his ability to help young guys like myself, you know, like you said, Ike, you know, when Will, Will Gay came aboard, we all learned from Deshae and he was so happy just to be able to assist us. And even though we're competing with him, he still extended the olive branch every day at practice. Because of that turnover, our offense got real good field position. Eventually, the drive stalled. We settled for another Jeffrey 42-yard field goal. The Steelers would go up 6-0. The defense trots back on the football field. 
we shut down the Baltimore Ravens uh, offense. They eventually punt back to our offense. That's where Willie Parker fumbles the, the football. The Baltimore Ravens recovered. Eventually their drive comes to a halt. Fourth and one. They decide to go for it. Of course, this is an iconic play for Steeler fans and probably for Ravens fans also because the way we made that stop, it wasn't because of penetration from the front. It wasn't because of great penetration from the edge. It was from a guy that was not supposed to be able to <laughs> prevent a one-yard gain. But the guy with the pretty hair, the head and shoulders commercial, Troy Palomalu perfectly times and leaps over the line to grab Joe Flacco and prevent any yard. We didn't get one yard. <laughs> We've seen this time and time again with Troy. And, of course, you being uh, in the secondary next to Troy, commanding the secondary. How special was that play and Troy's knack for making timely plays <laughs> like that? You know what was sad about us, B-Man? I'm going to tell What's you that? what. <laughs> when, I, when I look back at us, I look back at us and I think, we really, we really missed the boat, man. Do you realize how much celebrating we would do if we were part of today's generation of kids? Oh yeah, yeah. With the celebration rules, uh, Cele- basically not being filtered. Right. Well, what I'm not being filtered, but like you know, you watch the game now, man. And if a dude gets a 20 yard run, but the safety feels like he hits him hard, he gonna dance. They gonna high five. They gonna give each other dab. They gonna jump up and chest bump. Do you know how disgusted we were if we gave up a 10-yard run? Mm-hmm. It didn't matter how hard you hit the dude. We gave up 10 yards. And, and, and I say that to say stuff like that, though not routine for other people, though none of the other 10 guys on the field could have done it, when Troy did it, it became routine to us. Yeah. Troy, we got Troy used to jumping it. over the – we got used to seeing it. Right now, people don't know that that was cover three, and Troy's supposed to be on the outside <laughs> in the flat. Yeah, you know what I mean? Nobody knows that. Nobody knows how schematically, <laughs> strategically, X and O's wrong Troy was. Troy, all right. they know is how. What? <laughs> Troy, you were the, the deep safety at the time. Like you said, yeah. Troy was supposed to be to the flats to the strong side. He decided to line up right next to Pot Dog, if I'm not mistaken, and just say, you know what? Yeah. I know they're running a quarterback sneak, and I'm going so to I'm stop going. it. And you know what? That's what was that's what was crazy about Troy, man. Like I tell people all the time because you know I get the question. Jamal Adams texted me the other day, and he's like, "Well, how many Pro Bowls you went to?" I was like, "Well, I went to one. I was like, I was the alternate for the other. I got in, but I was hurt. You know, I didn't get to go, so I would have been to whatever, whatever. And he goes, do you think you should have went to more? And I was like, no. I was like, I think that was about right. You know, I said, I believe I played at a Pro Bowl level a lot. I was like, but I played with two of the greatest talents to ever play the position. Obviously, Sean Taylor made his soul rest in Washington. I was like, and then Troy. And what I told him was the difference between me and Troy was I studied a ton to make sure, like, the defense was great. You know, if I could tell B-Mac, oh, I think this is coming, to just give him a heads up so he's ready. Or I could tell Ike, or if I could call out a play where Potsy knows this is coming. Like, that was why I studied. Troy studied football to make plays. So it might be a situation where it was your play to make, Mac, and Troy was gone. Yep. Because he studied it. And he believed it. And more importantly, what some people don't have, what most people don't have, he could feel it. And when he felt it, he never second-guessed it. Now, Troy was sometimes wrong. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, he was wrong sometimes. <laughs> when he was wrong, it, it, when he was wrong, I just tackled him. Like I just tackled the guy. <laughs> you know, hey, it, it was your job. It was your job to make him right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and and that was, and like that was what was different about him. Matt. He just always believed it, and it wasn't like an arrogance. You know what I mean? Because he's the most humble dude I know. It wasn't an arrogance of oh, I'm this good, I'm that. It was just like if he felt it, he couldn't stop himself from going, and that's what made him a Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah. You know, for for me, I could study it and study it. And so if I see it line up and pan out, okay, I knew who it was. But for Troy, something like that, like one day he was trying to explain to me how he jumped the snap, be mad. You know what Troy told me? What? He's like, he's like, I oh, see, I saw their knuckles. Who in the hell is looking at knuckles, be mad? <laughs> Troy, I'm 20 yards in the backfield. How the hell am I going to see these people knuckles? So what was the knuckles like, supposed to tell him? He said, he said, you can see right before the snap, their knuckles the knuckles grind into the ground because they're trying to generate the force to come off. Okay, Troy, whatever. <laughs> stop talking to me. You know, stop talking to me, Troy. Now you're talking. To me. Like, now you're on some next level weirdo hey, type stuff. I don't know, want we, no parts of it. We used to call him baby Jesus. We used to be like, boy, we all need to start living right like Troy. Because, man, <laughs> a, play, a play will fall in his lap every week. <laughs> boy, we like, boy, we need to go to the same church Troy go to. <laughs> Hey, Matt, it don't work. I went to that church for a year, man. I ain't it ain't no right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, honestly, honestly, man, we used to say, but we're not living right, man. Troy living we're right. Not living right. <laughs> and and you know, it was it was it was just, but it was just that type of it was that type of greatness. And the thing is, Matt, everybody on your team can't be that way. Yeah, you know, everybody. there couldn't be. There couldn't be 11 of us, and I'm not saying it couldn't be like 11 future Hall of Famers. It couldn't be 11 of us that went with everything they felt, mm-hmm. you know, but we had the right one. We had the right one. He, I got to tell people all the time also, he was our lead singer. He was our Ma- Michael Jackson. Of course, we part of the Jackson 5. We all played our role, but we knew who the lead guy was, and he had that knack to make these type of plays, and we saw it time and time again. And because of that huge play by Troy, our offense got an opportunity with favorable field position to trot right back on the football field, and, of course, the big-time play happened. Santonio Holmes, 65-yard touchdown, the first touchdown of the ball game. That gave the Pittsburgh Steelers a 13-point lead, 13-0 to uh, early in the second quarter. Uh, great play by the offense, and then eventually, you know, the offense stalled, got an opportunity to punt the football right back. Our offense stalled, the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense stalled. They got an opportunity to punt the football right back to Baltimore. Jim Leonard uh, returned it 45 yards to the Steelers' 17-yard line. That eventually led to a Willis McGahee three-yard touchdown. The, the lead is cut now to six, 13-7, to seven, just right before halftime. Uh, uh, this was a critical moment in the ball game for us as far as being able to get the momentum back in our favor. And we were able to do so offensively. They generated some, some nice positive yards, were able to sustain a drive and it came to a halt. Uh, at that time, we go into halftime 13 to seven. Talk about the halftime mode. As far as going into halftime, yes, we have the lead. We're able to play pretty good football, but because of that punt return by Jim Leonard, we gave up touch a touchdown. And, of course, you know what our standard was at that time, but just talk about the playoff mode. Even though we had the lead, 
what were you thinking at halftime? You know, Coach Tyler spoke about how that defense was always an all-time great defense, the defense of destiny. And our only thought was finishing. Uh, one thing we didn't do, even though we hated giving up touchdowns, we understood you had to force field goals. We, all year, as if you remember, we had Mitch Berger. Mitch Berger was the punter, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mitch, yeah, old man Mitch, yes, sir. <laughs> old man Mitch. Hey, Mitch is a great teammate, man. Great dude to be around. No Mitch question. is like a very okay punter. You know, so it was sometimes, you know, Mitch would punch that thing straight out of bounds. <laughs> and so, <laughs> like, Mitch is probably a huge reason why we were the number one defense because everybody had a short field, so there was no long drive. Um, and so we were just so used to going out and stopping people when things went wrong, if it was a turnover, if it was a, a – a long punt return. And so there was some, there was some anger associated with giving up that touchdown, but we also knew we had to lead. We knew what type of team we were and we knew we would settle for nothing less than finishing. And so that was coach Tomlin all game. Let's let, let's go win this half. Let's go play this half. Let's win this half. Let's get to the, let's get to the bowl. And so for us, it was about, okay, let's talk about the things we did good. Right. Let's fix and shore up some other things that allowed them to get points, and let's go out and be better in the second half. And that was the focus we had. That was the talks we had. And the other part was the confidence we had that we could do it. Yep. You know, it wasn't we, – we, we, we didn't – we expected to be in that position. We expected to have a chance to win it. We expected to be the guys who needed to go finish it, and we relished in that opportunity. Nobody was scared. You know, Mac, like, none of us were like, oh, my goodness, I'm so nervous. Like, no, nah, we was like, oh, man, this is it, right? This is what we practice all year for. And so we were excited to go out and play that half against the Baltimore Ravens on our field in prime time with what was on the line and what we had opportunity to do. Yeah, and the offense felt the same way. Uh, just over three minutes left to go in the third quarter, we were able to tack on another field goal that gave us a 16 to seven lead. Uh, just like I said, over three minutes left to go in that ball game. And then midway through the fourth quarter, things started to turn left a little bit. Ike Taylor got hit with a pass interference that gave the Ravens the football on the Pittsburgh one yard line that later led to a Willis McGahee one yard touchdown. Now the lead is cut to two points 16 to 14 of course the momentum is starting to shift in favor of the baltimore ravens and then eventually they get the ball back with over four minutes to go in that ball game and this is where that iconic play happens troy palomalu picks uh an unbelievable pick if i'm not mistaken i think he was playing vertical hook uh Mm-hmm. Will Gay was on that side, and what people don't realize, I think if Troy don't pick that football, I believe Will Gay had an opportunity to pick it because he had great position on that play. That's a 40-yard interception return for a touchdown, one of the plays I will never forget. I think, you know, you would agree to that also. But another outstanding play by Troy, we talked about how impressive he was, but not just catching the football, the return, RC, the return, because – he took away points from one from from the Ravens, but and he also added points for us. Just just what do you remember about that play? That Troy ain't follow my block. That's what I remember, <laughs> B Mac. No, no, RC, you probably <laughs> was looking for the pitch. You probably was trying to tell Troy to <laughs> no. pitch the ball. Hey, 
Why would I take the ball out of Troy's hands, man? He had way more instinct than I had running the ball. But you know, hey, I was just man. <laughs> we that was our thing in the secondary. Instead of us looking for a block, we want you to pitch hey. it. <laughs> hey, right, this is selfish. Um, you know, man. The big thing about that play was one we beat it, right? Yep. And I could remember the times being like, "Hey, man, it's time for that Troy stuff, right? Like, ain't you got some of that Troy stuff in you? Like, we need one of those plays." And and that was just another example of it. I don't know a team in the history of football that was able to put six DBs on the field the way we were that year that had six better players. They had, you know, six guys who would do exactly what you needed, six guys who could all make plays, who could all tackle, who were all smart, who all did things together. Like, I just thought we were – I thought that was just one of our better defenses where we went to the dime package. And basically linebacker. Mm-hmm. Right, and so a tight end is not going to get open. A running back is not going to get open. He could rush the pass, or he could do all these different things from that position. And that was just another example of a play: reaches over his head, gets the pick, reverses field, gets into the end zone. As usual, you try to celebrate with him. He runs by you because he's selfish and was about to go pray eighteen times. We couldn't even get a good celebration. <laughs> <in>. um, <laughs> but you know, just in like that's my that's my all time favorite. Steeler play because unlike y'all, I hadn't been to the Super Bowl. You know, unlike everybody else, like I hadn't had that opportunity to feel what it's like to prepare and win that game. And I think people, people kind of miss the fact that the AFC Championship is probably more stressful than the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. right? Because you all your life you work to get the opportunity to get there, and this is the only way to get there. Yep. You know what I mean? It's it's you know, it's it's like it's like meeting Jesus, right? Like he said, nobody comes to the Father except through me. Like you can't get to God if you don't get to Jesus. Like you mm-hmm. can't get to the Super Bowl if you can't win the AFC Championship. Exactly. It just don't happen. And so when the game gets close like that, and 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 you need a play, like were we shocked that he was the one that made it? Of course not. You know, but that play put an all-time great defense, all-time great team with a play made by an all-time great player, it put us in it put us in the, the, the realms of being able to be a part of the 2000 Ravens, the 85 Bears, and all of these all-time great defenses that carried teams to the Super Bowl, not only by stopping people from scoring, but creating points themselves. Yep. And it was just for Troy to make that play at that time, doing what we needed, was huge for me, and I'll never forget it. Uh, no question. That play pretty much sealed the, the deal for us, but of course we still had to make a few more plays because there was time still left on the clock, and oh my friend, it's not over yet. With <laughs> a little over three minutes to go in the fourth quarter, <clears throat> another play I would never forget in my life. Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark. I remember this call. I think we, I don't know if what 55 we were in, but we were in a 55 mm-hmm. coverage. Uh, 55 mm-hmm. for the listeners. That's a two man concept. You're playing with two half safeties. Every defensive back that's in coverage, they're playing press man with inside leverage. Our job is to prevent the, uh, wide receivers from getting inside of our leverage, knowing that we, we don't have any help inside. And also too, a lot of times when offenses see that, they usually try to attack the linebacker who is not comfortable or not, you know, used to being in coverage that way, who will have man-to-man coverage on the running back. 
In this situation here, ladies and gentlemen, we're in 55 and Ryan Clark is playing his half safety like he's been doing throughout the entire year. Uh, they decided to run an F angle to the running back who is Willis McGahee. Let me explain to you what an F angle route is. An F angle is basically shotgun formation. If Willis McGahee is offset to Joe Flacco's left side, he will leave the backfield diagonal, right? And then he will cut like a slant route across the formation, which will be across the field. So just imagine Willis McGahee split out. Uh, he's coming out of the backfield at an angle route, and then he just pivots with his outside leg, and he runs a slant across the football field. Like I said, most offenses tend to attack the linebackers because they're not used to being in coverage and with that type of space. Great pass by Joe Flacco. It was an ideal route concept, great execution, but one thing they did not realize, there will be a guy that was not supposed to be there show up. And when he showed up, he got there in a bad mood. And literally, <laughs> listeners, when I tell you it sounded like a cannon on the football field, I was covering, uh, I don't know if it was, was it Mason or Mark Clayton? I can't remember exactly who I was covering. But all I heard as I visually saw the contact was boom. Ryan, 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 a lot of people never got your take on that play. And this is your opportunity to give the listeners your take on one of the most deadliest hits that I've ever seen. Oh, by the way. A penalty was not called, but this is your opportunity, right? I set the stage for you. Take over. So I'm gonna see how much you remember that season. Uh, we beat the we beat the we beat the Chargers pretty good that that week before. Remember, yeah. beat San Diego pretty good. If you remember, late in the game, Darren Sproles scored though. Yeah, yeah, it was a long pass, the same route, same exact route, yep. same exact coverage, right? Mm-hmm. In that game, Darren Sproles started on the right side, Philip Rivers, and they moved him to the left. Right? Mm-hmm. When he moved him to the left, he runs the angle, kind of splits us, me and Troy chase him, he scores a touchdown. Late in the game, they couldn't come back. It really didn't matter. It just, all it did was serve to piss me off because mm-hmm. I hated giving up touchdowns. So we got the same coverage. So when McGahee moves over, mm-hmm. I go stand in the same exact place I stood in San Diego against the Chargers. I'm not in, um, in the division of playoffs. Yeah. Instead of playing my half, though, when I saw him take off running, I took off running. So I didn't, because I knew it. Like, I was like, okay, they watched the film from last week, right? It's a copycat lead. They do the exact same thing. I could be wrong, but I don't think that I am, right? The other part of you're looking at he's eyeing him the whole time. You get a vertical release on the outside. I was like, they don't have to cover him. It's two man. I know y'all gonna play a little high because it's time in the game. Y'all not looking for short routes. All the football worked in my favor, and playing a ton of games worked in my favor. So when they move him over, I get in a sprinter stance, and as soon as they hike the ball, I just took off running. <laughs> now, so now here's the difference. So here's people just always ask me, like Eric Eric Weddle would always be like, RC. How do you hit people so hard? And I used to tell them it's because I don't flinch, right? When you, when just you go. get, you just go. What happens is when people get close enough, they flinch and they freeze. And when you freeze, bad things happen. And so for me, it was like once I made a decision that we were going, I knew there was a possibility 
that we wouldn't get up. And when I say we, I'm talking about both of us, whoever I hit and myself. But I was never scared of that. People who are scared of that, they flinch. People who are scared of that, they stop their feet. I never had that fear, right? And you mentioned me being an undrafted free agent. That was part of why I didn't have that fear was because I couldn't. Because I wasn't going to be as instinctive as Troy. Troy. I didn't have the ball skills Ed Reed had. I wasn't a guy who ran 4-3. I wasn't a big man. So for me, I had to have something else. So that was I was going to study harder than everybody. And I was going to try to be the most physical player on the field regardless of size. So I never flinched. And when I saw Willis come out the backfield, when I saw them move him over to the left side, I had made up my mind I was not going to stop running until I ran into his face. And that was that. <laughs> now, the, the 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 cool thing that you have over me, B-Mac, is you can actually remember the hit because I can't. I can see it. I've seen it before. I don't remember. Just remember after hitting him, if you watch the play, for those who are listening, if you go back and watch the play, I grabbed my ears, like the ear holes mm-hmm. of my helmet. That's because it sounded like somebody was honking a horn in my head. But all I heard when I hit him was, Bong! and so that's why I grabbed my ears. Like, I was awake. Like, I wasn't out. I just couldn't hear nothing. And I don't know if it was because our helmets might have hit or whatever it was, but that's all I could hear. And the next thing I remember, you know, was one, obviously we were scared for him because of how they took him off the field. <laughs> the only thing I could remember was just being on the sideline and thinking to myself, I was like, I won because I got up first. And that was it. Like, that yep. was all I thought. It, you know? That play for me, when I saw the collision, and then, of course, when it happened, everybody ran to Willis. Nobody ran to you. <laughs> you were just, you was like a little dead fish out of water, just flinching by yourself. No one checked on you. Our teammates went to Willis. And then also, too, he actually caught the football, and that was a live fumble. But Mm-hmm. I ran past the ball because I was like, oh, my goodness, what did I just witness? <laughs> and the ball was just there. No one attacked the football. And eventually, Lawrence Timmons yeah, fell Lawrence on the football. Yeah. He fell on the football. <laughs> but I, I must admit, Ryan, I didn't go to you at first. I went to Willis because I felt like Willis received the worst part of the blow, and he actually he did. did. And he if did. you don't remember, if you, if, if, you, if you recall, listeners, Willis wore a dark visor. So, of course, you couldn't see his mm-hmm. face. But when he was laying down on his back, the only way we saw his face and his eyes was through under the face mask. And when I mm-hmm. tell you, his eyes were rolling in the back of his head. And I was like, oh, shoot. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Now, eventually he was okay. Eventually Ryan was okay. And then when everybody came to Willis's aid, that's when we forgot about, oh, that's when we thought about it. There was another guy involved in this car accident. Oh, oh, oh see, you okay? <laughs> we like, yeah, I was good, man. You know, it was so crazy because that year, like, we just were so good defensively, and it was just so much to go around. You know, like, we haven't even talked about it. James Harrison was the defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we haven't even spoken about him today. And so, like, players were so good that year. And, like, I remember – going in after the season and, you know, Ray Horton telling me, do you know, he's like, you know what your best stat of the year was? Now, you know, and like the tackles are different, right? Like NFL gets you for a certain amount of tackle. I think Ray Horton had like a hundred and something. 
he said, you had a hundred and whatever tackles. He's like, and you missed two tackles all year. Wow. That's impressive. And to, and, and to me, like that was the best thing. Cause you know, I always had like butt naked tackles. Yeah. Out there by Just yourself. In the of the field, out there. By, and, and when you look at our defense though, that's what made us great. Anytime one of us, a corner, a safety, had to make one of those tackles that kept a 12-yard gain from being a 40-yard gain, we did. And that's how you end up leading the league in yardage. It's not because you make all these plays. It's because you don't give up plays. Mm-hmm. And so it's so crazy when I look back on that year, the fact that what people remember the most that I did was hitting Wes Welker. Yeah, and obviously from my from my career, it's hitting Willis McGahee. And I think back throughout the years, though, about all the little plays we made in 2008-2009 playoffs that helped us win. Like, of course, that's going to be something they remember, but just the the, the shoestring tackles, just the the game tackles, the, the pass breakups that each of us played a part in that got us to that Super Bowl. Like, the big plays matter, but it was us not giving up the bigger place to them by doing the little things that made us great. Uh, uh, no question. Uh, I think that, you know, just talk, it, it speaks on the consistency in which we display week in and week out. And even up until that play, you know, the consistency of you, your ability to study and know they're trying to attack us the same way the Chargers did in a meaningless touchdown but yet and still, that could have provided a window of opportunity for the Ravens because at that time, listeners, we were up nine points. It was 23 to 14. So they still had enough time left on the clock to generate some points and make this thing extremely difficult for us. But Ryan, huge play. We recovered the football. Eventually, the Ravens got the ball back. They had one last opportunity, Tyrone Carter, uh, sealing the deal with the interception. Uh, how did that moment feel for you, Ryan, knowing that hey, you're man. heading to your first did, Super Bowl? Did T.C. always do that, though? For, he, at the end of the game, he, yeah, he'll find a way to get a game-sealing <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> right. Hey, did, like, I used to think, because remember that year, like I missed two games, so he played against Washington that year, and he got a pick that day mm-hmm. and balled out. I used to always be like, man, shoot. They gonna bench me for TC every time. T- Denver couldn't play in Denver that year. Remember, yep. he got like two picks. Took one to the house. Yeah, I was he, like, I, I golly. Know the Cleveland game when everything was locked up, he got two picks against Cleveland. If not mistaken. Yes, against the Browns. Yeah, yes. <laughs> he was a, he was the AFC Defensive Player of the Week, bro. Yeah, like, exactly. Filling <laughs> <laughs> hey, in became the AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Talk about that, but that tells you about the experience we had too, because like you said, there was no other team that can put six defensive backs on the field at the same time and not miss a beat. Not to mention when you go to the the death part, the death department, as far as what we had on the bench coming in when need be, we had quality depth up and down our roster, especially in the secondary. No. I remember, uh, and what is, is now, at least for me, I'm sure other people don't t- look at it as an iconic picture, but it's iconic for me. When we were on the cover of ESPN the magazine, yes, yes, one of the one of one of the coolest things one I've ever done in my life, just still to this day. But do you remember how there were guys we had to leave out? Yes, you know, unfortunately, uh, yeah, you know, TK, Hokey, like it was Anthony so many Smith. people. 
Anthony Smith, so many people played a part in us being really good. But then you look back on it, it was what, five, six DBs on there, you know, extra linemen. I mean, that's how good that team was that all those people started games, played huge roles in games. And, you know, when you have a coach like Dick LeBeau and you give him the opportunity to have one depth, two quality depth, you know, there were guys on that team who should have been starting in the NFL other places. Agreed. You know, but but they were with us. They were they they were coached by one of the best defensive you know coaching staffs in the league, and they played for one of the best organizations in ball. And so we we had that luxury. You know, the 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 thing is, you don't get to keep that together forever. But for that year, man, it was one of the most special relationships, most special defenses that I've ever seen, you know, in life and for sure that I've ever been a part of and just what we were able to accomplish, but the feeling I had for the people while accomplishing it, you know, the, the, you know, the only picture that I have in my house that's just as important as that picture is a picture we took two weeks later in the rain in Florida, all together at practice. And it just symbolized what we were because it wasn't sitting on the bench. people, you know, sitting on the bench. It wasn't yeah, I had, 11 I had the same picture. in that picture. It wasn't 11 of us. It was like 20 of us. Yeah. And all of us played. You know what I mean? Like all of us played. And people who've never gone to an NFL practice don't get that we're not children. We're not told to sit in certain places. Right, they don't tell us, "Hey, defense, you go over here so we can talk to you while the offense is on the field." You go wherever the heck you want. And for us, what people won't realize is we chose to go sit with our friends all the time. We didn't choose to, go, yeah, you know, we didn't choose to go sit with like the defense, or we didn't choose to go sit with the offense. We didn't choose that. Hey, we're gonna all meet up here. It was that we all wanted to be around each other, so we found a place to sit together. Yep. And that's how that picture came about. They took a picture of a group of friends, not a defense. And I think that's what I'll forever be grateful for about <laughs> no that. No question. Team. And that that still holds weight right now with us being far removed from the game. You know, we still talk all the time. You know, we give yeah. up. You know, we talk about college football. We talk about professional football. I mean, the brotherhood in which we had, uh, that's everlasting. You know, that's priceless. And that tells you about the organization being able to get that type of personality in the facility and being able to provide a domino effect for the younger players that came up watching the RCs of the world, the Ike Taylors of the world, the Troy Palomalos of the world, James Ferry, and being able to use that knowledge and keep it going is huge plus for the Roonies and how they've done things there uh, throughout their time in Pittsburgh. So. Hey, hey, you you said it, you said it, you said it best. I mean, we love being around each other on the football field, no off the football field, at the facility, in Pittsburgh, just eating, joking, you know, whatever it took for us to be around each other. As adults, we acted like kids because we wanted to find a way to go out in the yard and play. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. sir. Hey, Steeler Nation, man, I hope you enjoyed this episode because, man, RC brought back memories, quality, insight from one of the best to do it in in that secondary 2008. Uh, what's next for us here on the season? Next week, 
the 2008 Steelers, we cover the big one, an extensive breakdown of our Super Bowl 43 matchup with the Arizona Cardinals, where you'll get to hear from players and coaches on the week leading up to the ball game, the emotions and memorable moments from that special Sunday, including a look back at two of the biggest plays in Super Bowl history, James Harrison, 100-yard interception return before half, and Santonio Holmes' catch in the corner of the end zone. That's what's up next. For now, I want to say thank you to Ryan Clark for recapping this AFC Championship victory. Once again, RC was a pleasure. Man, I hope the listeners, I know the listeners enjoyed you giving us your insight, quality feedback about that game. And also, too, other quality notes about our relationship as a unit, man. I thank you once again. It was an honor. No doubt. Hey, and I want to say this, Mac, man. There, there's a reason you can get everybody to come on with you. Uh, you were a huge part of, of what we were, obviously, on the field, but, you know, in the locker room. And I think people should know that the reason you got me to come on, you can get Coach LeBeau, you can get TC, you can get Ike, because you are one of the most loyal people I've ever met. And when people find good friends, man, that just don't go away because you're not in the locker room. So I appreciate you having me on. Man, I appreciate that, man, Ryan. That means a lot coming from you. I respect you wholeheartedly. And you know what? I see you trying to get on my secret Santa list this year, so I might have to put you on there. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe to the season 2008 Steelers on iTunes and anywhere else podcasts are found. So you're up to date on our episodes that are released each Monday up until the Super Bowl. Until then, in the words of legend Dick LeBeau, adios. 